Coming up on Lockdown Bearcats, the latest from Bearcats football spring practice is there a script being written of the hometown kid Evan Prater earning his way to the starting quarterback job. And the NFL has changed its overtime rules, at least for the postseason. But college football overtime still remains king. Plus, why there is no good solution, no good solution to the number of teams to make the college football playoff. It's all coming up on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Alex Frank here with you on this Thursday, March 31st of 2022. Bearcats football spring practice is just about halfway through. Spring game is next Saturday, April the 9th, 1 o'clock at Nippert Stadium. And I was reading some of what Justin Williams, actually I read all of it, what Justin Williams of The Athletic wrote in his mid-spring practice report. And it's really interesting, um, the things that he said, particularly about the quarterback battle. This will be no doubt the biggest storyline of spring practice. This will no doubt be the biggest storyline of fall camp. This will be the biggest storyline until whichever quarterback between Ben Bryant and Evan Prater takes the field at Arkansas on September 3rd. It's no doubt the biggest storyline. And yet, I've said Ben Bryan will probably win the quarterback battle. If I had the if I had the say of who I would want as quarterback, I would take Ben Bryan. Only for the Arkansas game. Because Evan Prater to me has more upside. Evan Prater is here for a much bigger reason and purpose and better backstory than Ben Bryant. Evan Prater hails from Cincinnati. Evan Prater is a former Mr. Ohio, Mr. Football, excuse me, when it comes, Mr. Football in the state of Ohio. Evan Prater had one of the most decorated high school football careers of any high school football player in this state. And that includes players like Luke Keekley, Braxton Miller. It includes players like Kyle Rudolph. It includes... A handful of other players, Sean Alexander, Jared Lorenzen, Michael Mayer. Includes a lot of players that have come through Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky high schools. But Evan Prater, without question, has had had one of the most decorated careers in high school at Wyoming. Now in his second season at the University of Cincinnati. I'm sorry, his third season. Now in his third season with the University of Cincinnati. He is in line to potentially be the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bearcats as a redshirt sophomore. Think about that for a minute. I'm sorry, just as a sophomore. Or is a redshirt sophomore? He was here in 2020. This is his third season. He's got three years left with this program. I'm going to say, actually, you know what? I can look it up right now. This is what this is what the. Uh, the extra bonus year with, with COVID eligibility does. So Evan Prater still has a lot of years left. If he's not named the starter 
by September 3rd, that's okay. Evan Prater is a sophomore. Okay, that's what I thought. So he's got three years left. And yet, I would want him as the starting quarterback long term. If you're looking for the quarterback that you want to win, particularly and strictly the Arkansas game, go with Ben Bryant. He has more experience. The fact that he has had a full year's worth of starting experience is massive. And it does give him the edge over Evan Prater. I'm listening to Justin. He's on with Mo Egger on Tuesday on ESPN 1530. And he mentioned the fact that he's had a full year's worth of experience. I don't care if he was just at Eastern Michigan. He had a full year worth of being a starting quarterback in college football. Evan Prater does not have that. What Evan Prater does have, though, is his high school accomplishments and accolades. He has a full season backing up Desmond Ritter. Ben Bryan does, too. But Evan Prater has a full season of backing up Desmond Ritter. When Desmond Ritter had a prominent role, not just as the quarterback of the Bearcats, but he was involved in coaches' meetings. He interned with the coaching staff at one point throughout his college career. Evan Prater got to back up Desmond Ritter when Desmond Ritter was getting national acclaim, when he was a dark horse Heisman Trophy candidate, when he was the quarterback of a team that was the conversation of should they be in, should they not be in the college football playoff throughout the entire 2021 season. That is a valuable experience to watch a quarterback lead his team through all of that, through the most important and most successful season and Bearcats football history today, Evan Prater watched Desmond Ritter on the field and off the field lead this team. Ben Bryant does not have that. Ben Bryant was here in 2018 when Desmond Ritter was just a fledgling freshman dual-threat quarterback burst onto the scene. He was here in 2019, and he was the, he was the most beloved guy on the team because he was the backup quarterback. Fans wanted him in because they thought he was better than Desmond Ritter, and they certainly thought that in 2020, at least three games into the season. Ben Bryant has not been here when all the pressure is squarely on him. When fans, when coaches, when teammates are depending on him to lead this team to win games if he is the starter. Evan Prater has way more upside. Evan Prater can throw. Evan Prater can run. He's an athlete. That's who Desmond Ritter was. And in a position that has become more of an athletic position than uh, that has become more of an athletic position. Now, it's still a position you have to be cerebral. You have to be smart. You have to be deceptive. You have to be a lot of things. Still, you have to have pocket presence. You have to be able to throw, but you also have to be able to make plays. College football and NFL football now, it's not just in between the it's not just in between the hash marks. No, it's all the way out to the edges. You know, the, the edges are now where plays are being made. Joe Burrow's touchdown to Tyler Boyd in the wild card playoff game. Classic example. Patrick Mahomes has made many throws from almost falling out of bounds. He made one in the, uh, he made, he, there's numerous examples. I'm not going to name one in particular, but that's what the quarterback position has become. And it's been that way in college longer than it's been in the NFL. Evan Prater is that. And just the fact that he's from Cincinnati, the fact that he has already a lot of support, you knew who he was before he even arrived. Before he even stepped foot on campus as a University of Cincinnati student, he hasn't had the easiest start to his career. 2020 was the, was a COVID year. 2021, he backed up Desmond Ritter, got played sparingly, although he did have a, have a Sports Center top 10 highlight play in the first game of the season. But as Justin said, Evan Prater's right on Ben Bryan's heels, and that he has progressed quicker than some thought. And there is 
you know, word throughout the program that he has done that, that he has more upside. And he is he may just maybe earning his way to being the starting quarterback of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, other storylines that I've talked about, you know, who's going to emerge as the Bell Cow running back if there is one. Justin brought up a great point. The last four seasons. You've known who your starting running back is going to be. 2018, it was my, it was supposed to be Jared Dokes. It ended up being Michael Warren. He had 64 carries in his first two games. Bell Cow running back. It was that way in 2019. 2020, you knew it was going to be Jared Dokes, and he was. 2021, it was going to be Jerome Ford, and it was. So we have all of this. We have three straight years where there's been a Bell Cow running back. I don't know if there's going to be that this year. Sure, you have Ryan and Miles Montgomery. Sure, you have Ethan Wright, the fourth. Sure, you have Charles McClellan. But are any one of them going to emerge? Is any one of them going to emerge as the bell cow running back? I don't know. And does it have to be that way? I don't necessarily think so. Whoever does is going to be running behind a really good offensive line. Mike Cummings, the new offensive line coach, likes the fact that he has guys behind the starting five of Tungstall, Renfro, Metz, O'Quinn, he likes the fact that he has, and Jeremy Cooper, he likes the fact that he has players behind the starting five offensive linemen. That, if need be, can step up. When you have depth on your offensive line, that's a good thing. I mean, that's a it, it's an absolute war of attrition up front. So, I think that the offensive line is going to be a strength of this team. And I've said I think this team is going to be a lot like 2018 with some differences. They're going to have a strong offensive line. They're going to have a running game that isn't going to be dominated by one particular back, but is going to be dominated by, but is going to be shared by three or four different running backs. I think there's going to be an emerging playmaker, a wide receiver. There is a perimeter threat like there was with Khalil Lewis in 2018. You have that in Trey Tucker or Tyler Scott. You have a great tight end room in Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor. That's like having two Josiah DeGuaras. The defense is going to be really strong. You know, you may not think so. We didn't think it was going to be that good coming into 2018 and end up being one of the best in the country. I think the defense is still going to be really good. And this year, you have the luxury of having an actual kicker. Justin said the ball is booming off of Ryan Coe, the transfer from Delaware, his foot in spring practice. Could he be the Bearcats' version of Evan McPherson? It'd be great if it was, because the kicking game matters. There are a lot of storylines. I've been trying to get Justin on the show, excuse me, for for uh, quite some time. I'm hoping to get him on at some point during spring practice. Um, because he, he, he has tremendous insight. And in a season that I think we're looking forward to because we don't know what this team is going to do. But it's a positive feeling because you're coming off an undefeated college football playoff birth season. You don't know how the season's going to go, but you think it's going to be good. You think it's going to be at least eight and four, nine and three. I think this team can still compete for a conference championship. There's a, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of replacements. There's a lot of positions that need to be replaced and a lot of players who departed who were so impactful. But you feel like there's a positive vibe surrounding this program right now. They have a lot of momentum. There might be some growing pains. They can lose to Arkansas week one. They can lose to Indiana. 
Although, fun fact, they haven't lost a home game since November 25th of 2017. There's a lot that can happen this year. Last year, you were excited because you knew this team, that team could be really freaking good, and they were. This year, you're excited because you don't know, but yet you still think they're going to be really good. Coming up, so the NFL recently, not just recently, Tuesday, changed its overtime rules for the postseason. This is good, but I'm still not satisfied. I'll explain why next. But first, I need to tell you about Athletic Greens, our next partner that has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens AG1 because I needed more energy. You know, it's tough, you know, moving to a new city, living on my own, holding down my first full-time job in addition to this, which I love. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogreens greens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. I consume it because I want better health. I want more energy. I need focus. Being a producer in the news, in the TV and television news, you have to have some focus. I take it every morning, starts my day right. I get up, take my AG1, prepare for the show, and record it. I know some family and friends who take it. They say it tastes really good. I told them it tastes really good. They believe me. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin. It's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Fun fact, liquor's better than beer. Trust me on that. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. You can get this for less than $3 a day. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it is a climate-neutral certified company. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to take to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so I told you about Athletic Greens and how it helps my health and energy. Maybe it'll help you with your daily fantasy. I love and I hate those buzzer beaters, the drama, but oh, the pain when you are on the other side of it. Stat Heroes, NCAA single-game pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling because you can take back, take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with the set of players you choose. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash lockdown and use promo code lockdown for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash lockdown. Use promo code lockdown for a 100% match. 
stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply. Once again, thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So the NFL recently changed its overtime rules for the postseason, ensuring both teams possess the ball at least one time. So that means we're not going to have any more controversy from Bills Chiefs this past year, or if you want to take it back even further, Patriots Chiefs in the AFC Championship game in 2018. Or if you want to take it back even further, Super Bowl 51, because Atlanta should have had the opportunity to possess the ball. As soon as the coin toss, as soon as New England won the coin flip in overtime of Super Bowl 51, the inevitable was they were going to go down and score and win the game. And they did. When New England won the coin toss in the 2018 AFC Championship game against Kansas City, the inevitable was once again, they were going to go down and score and win the game. And they did. When Kansas City won the coin flip in this past year's AFC Divisional Playoff game, you knew they were going to go down and score. And they did. Now, at least one possession will be given to both teams. Now, if the offense on their first possession, if the defense produces a pick six or any kind of fumble or any fumble recovery for a touchdown or a safety, they win the game. That's fair. That's fair. But both teams should have the opportunity to possess the ball. Buffalo scored 15 points in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter in this past year's divisional round playoff game. Kansas City scored 10. And only one of those teams got the ball in overtime. Should never have been that way. Should not have been that way. You can say the defense should have stepped up and gotten the stop. I agree with that. But at the same time, the fact that Josh Allen could not impact the game because of a coin flip is not right, was not right, and the NFL did something about it. The Patriots-Chiefs AFC Championship game in 2018, Kansas City scored 24 points in the fourth quarter, and they, net, and they never got the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime. The Patriots scored 14. It was back and forth the final four minutes of regulation. Whichever team won the coin flip, you knew they were going to win the game, and New England did, because of course they did. Super Bowl 51. New England had as much momentum as anything in the world going into overtime of that game. As soon as they won the coin flip, you knew the game was over, and Atlanta was not going to possess the game. Matt Ryan was not going to have the opportunity to impact the game, impact the outcome of the game. A coin flip used to determine the outcome of the game. Can you imagine? If the Chiefs had gone down and scored a touchdown on their first possession of the AFC Championship game, can you imagine the reaction here in Cincinnati? What it would have been like? Oh, there would have been a... I mean, we, we, we felt the pain of Buffalo. But when it directly impacts you, what would that have been like? I mean, I'm hoping to get Joe Marino from Locked On Bills, who's part of my restream group, uh, where we record this pot, where we record our locked on shows, I want to get him on and get his thoughts because that loss for Buffalo is going to, I think, is what's going to drive them this offseason and into next season. So we have new rules in the postseason. I'm still not satisfied because it still means you can tie in regulation. It also means that the old rules still exist in regulation. So let's imagine you have a high-stakes regular season week 16, 17, 18 game. 
The winner goes to the playoffs and the loser does not. You're telling me that the team that wins the coin flip, if they go down and score a touchdown, the other team doesn't get a chance. They don't get a chance to impact how the playoff field is going to look. Not right. Sorry. And by the way, the fact that you can still tie in the NFL is ludicrous and no one talks about it in the sense that it needs to go away. In sports, there should be a winner and a loser. The NBA, the the MLB, and the NHL do not have ties. And that is a darn good thing. College overtime in basketball and and the NBA are both five-minute overtimes. You play until there's a winner and there's a loser. And if you go to six overtimes, so be it. Ask Syracuse and UConn about that. If you go to four overtimes in the NBA, so be it. Ask Denver and Portland about that Game 3 2019 Western Conference semifinals. Overtime is not, and overtime should not result in a tie. You can still have that in the regular season. Like Joe Burrow had a tie in the NFL before he had a win. Well, that shouldn't have been. That should not have been. So you can still tie in the regular season. A coin flip can determine the outcome of a game. But let's talk about college overtime for a minute. Because college overtime, it doesn't, it does not end until there is a winner and there's a loser. The rules have since been modified in recent years. It used to be you play however many overtimes, and both teams got one possession starting from the opponent's 25-yard line. Now that's only the case in the first two overtimes. Starting the third overtime, both teams must go for a two-point conversion. If they get it, great. If they don't, the other team gets the opportunity. If the first team gets theirs, they have to still stop the opposing team. And they alternate with each overtime period, which team gets to try first. I like that. Now, if you're talking because if you're talking about it from player safety, we saw what happened with the seven overtime game between LSU when Joe Burrow was the quarterback in his first season with the Tigers and Texas A&M. That game went to seven overtimes. The score was tied 74-72. Joe Burrow had to get an IV after the game. And if you think and if he had to get an IV, imagine offensive linemen, defensive linemen, wide receivers, cornerbacks and secondary and secondary players Think about think about the exhaustion that that's set in. That's seven overtimes. That's a lot of football. That's a lot of football. So now we have two-point conversions. You're only running one play at a time. Offense goes on the field for one play, sub, and then the defense does. So you're rested. And coaches have to get creative because they now have to have, because you saw Illinois Penn State last year went to nine overtimes which, yes, is the longest game, college football game, that I know of, at least in recent history. Coaches now have to have, coordinators now have to have, like 10 to 15 different plays they can use for two-point conversions. That's where we're at in college football, but it still determines a winner and a loser. The NFL should copy college football overtime. Like, why can't why, college football, so what, you work all your life, you play football all your life in high school and college, if once you get to the NFL and you go to overtime and it's still tied at the end of 10 minutes, which I don't know why they shorten the overtime period as it is in the NFL, and at the end of the game, at the end of the overtime period, if the score is tied, the score is tied, and the game ends there. Well, what, what, well, okay, we didn't win, that sucks, but we didn't lose, so what can we really take away from this game? 
The fact that we kissed our sister? Eh. Is that it? That doesn't have to do with the game. This is why the NFL needs to adopt college overtime rules. Give one team possession. If if, if you want to make them drive to wherever the kickoff lands, touchback, wherever, fine. I'm all in on that. But once each team has possession, if there's no winner after that, next score wins. Regardless of, and if you want, if you want to have a clock, fine. It should be like fourth quarter, two minute warning, and then you go to just the next overtime period. You sh- we should not be in a position where you can still tie in the NFL. It's beyond me that you can. That we are going into the 103rd season of the National Football League, and we can still tie. You can't tie in the NBA, and Major League Baseball will play as many extra innings as they need to. And the Ghost Runner, by the way, I'm not totally against. The NHL recently changed their overtime rules. Five minutes, if the score's tied, they go to a shootout. What if the NFL said, okay, the score's tied after one overtime period, we're going to a, we're gonna go to a field goal kickoff. We're going to go to 45-yard field goals. Or maybe 40 yards. We're going to go to 40-yard field goals. 40 or 45. Five tries. Just like in soccer, you get five penalty kicks. Whichever kicker makes the most, team wins the game. And we go until there's a winner and a loser. Fine by me. Fine by me. If the NFL can copy college football offenses, why can't they copy the overtime rules? There should be a winner and a loser. College football overtime is fine. I'm all in on two-point conversions. It adds a level of stress to the fan bases. It's a two-point conversion. That's all it is. It's a two-point conversion. And yet, those can be difficult to those can be difficult to succeed on. I'm watching Alabama and Auburn last year. They went to four overtimes, two overtime periods where they where they played two-point conversions. Both teams got theirs in the third overtime period. Auburn did not in the fourth. Alabama did. It was it was exciting. It adds a level of excitement to it. There was already a level of excitement when both teams started from their own 25-yard line. But now you have this, the two-point conversion. You are literally going for a score, two points. You, want, you hope you stop the opponent. If you're on defense first, you hope you stop the opponent, and then the excitement of we can win this game. If you're on offense first, it's, oh, we better get this or else, oh, it's looking dire. And then the excitement of when you do get it, and then you have the opportunity to make a stop and win the game. I like that. I'm not saying the NFL should adopt that. I wouldn't be opposed to it if they did. I, I more like the NFL to just say one team, at least one team gets possession. Now, then you have to say, well, what happens if, okay, so let's say we have 10 minutes in overtime, which should be bumped back up to 15. That'd be the first thing I do. It's bumped back up to 15. So let's say the team that gets possession first takes 15 minutes off the clock. I doubt they would. What happens then? Do we go to another overtime? And then the other team gets a chance to possess the ball? Maybe we do. But let's say both teams get possession. They both score. And then the overtime period ends and the score is tied. A field goal kickoff of 40 40 to 45 yards, I'd go 45 to add some element that you could miss. 
I'd be all in on that. I would love it if that happened. I think I think that would be a great experiment for the NFL. Will they do that? I don't know. I don't think this year, because I don't know if they will add it and implement implement another change. But it's it, it sure is fun to think about. It really is. Something else that's fun to think about is expanding the college football playoff. Because I know you want it expanded. I do too. But I don't think there's a good solution, actually, to the number of teams that should be in. I don't think there is a good solution. I'll get into it next. But first, I got to tell you about Bill Bar. Man, that segment took some energy from me. Hmm, that's probably why I take athletic greens. But I also still stick to my New Year's resolution, or I should say my, whatever you call it, goal of eating right, thanks to Bill Bar, because it almost feels like it's not really a candy bar. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Who wouldn't want that? Low-calorie, high-protein, replace your candy bars with these because they're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Built Bars only contain 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar and net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. You can go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off of Built.com. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So a friend of mine, actually my successor at Bearcast Media, Sean McMahon, um, texted me on Monday. And he said that he is now all of a sudden not in favor of expanding the college football playoff, and he likes the four teams. And I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. Please explain. And he mentioned devaluing the regular season if you expand it. Games like Oklahoma-Texas wouldn't matter. Games like Alabama-Auburn would not matter. And I totally agree with that. The biggest drawback and fear of expanding the college football playoff is devaluing the regular season. With only four teams making the playoff, every single game matters. The Red River shootout matters. Alabama-Auburn matters. So many games matter. Any big game Georgia plays in, whether it's Alabama or LSU or Florida, these games matter. You lose one game, and every game from there on out is a must-win game. If you expand the playoff, then you say, okay, well, maybe we have we can only lose two games. Well, maybe we can only lose three games. No. Then you're not saying every game matters. So there is a value to that. There is validity to that side of the discussion. But yet four teams is just so it's just so exclusive. So right now you have four teams to make the playoff. Well, that automatically means one Power 5 conference is not going to be in the playoff. That means that there are going to be at least six conference champions that don't make the playoff. This year there were seven conference champions who did not make the college football playoff. So what does winning the conference championship mean? 
that you go to some crappy bowl game? It should not be that way. It shouldn't be that way, and yet it is. Tell that to college basketball. If you if you win your conference tournament championship in college basketball, that's determined by a, a, a head-to-head tournament. The regular season matters too in all conferences. You win a two-month grind through conference play, three-month grind in conference play in the regular season, congratulations, you have done something right. But if you lose, but or I'm sorry, if you win, sorry, if you win your conference championship, you go to the NCAA tournament. You get a big, you get the biggest prize if you win your conference tournament, an automatic berth to the NCAA tournament. And that was good for teams like Richmond, like St. Peter's, like Vermont, North Texas in 2021. This past year, it was good for teams like Murray State. It was good for teams like Colgate. Any team that was a low seed in the tournament, they still got to play in it because they won their conference tournament. In college football, if you win your like, if you whoever wins the Mountain West this year, are you are you a going to even know who that pro, much about that program, and b are you even going to care where they go? No. Because unless it's to a New Year's Six Bowl, and you probably won't even care if that happens, you only care about a conference champion if they go to the college football playoff, or an at-large team if they make the college football playoff. But what? But okay, so if we expand the playoff, we're going to devalue the regular season, but we're going to value conference championships. This is where I am for college football playoff expansion. I believe if you win your conference championship in football, it should mean something. College basketball does it right. The regular season and conference tournaments matter. College football, the regular season matters, but the championship games. Did the Mountain West championship game matter to you this year? No. Did the Pac-12 championship matter game matter to you this year? No. The Big 12 didn't even 100% matter. The American Conference Championship did. Actually, the Big 12 100% did. The American did. The SEC did. Did the ACC Championship matter to you? No. So two of the Power 5 Conference Championship games did not even matter to you. If you are the casual college football fan. Now, if you're a fan of Oregon, Utah, Pitt, or Wake Forest, they matter to you, and that's fine. But they, they, they don't matter to casual college football fans. Did the Mountain West Sun Belt Conference USA and MAC championships matter to you? No, they did not. They did not matter to you. Because the winner was just going to be, eh, congratulations. We'll put you in the Tony the Tiger. Uh, we'll put you in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, wherever. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, uh, wherever. What are we doing? Now, if you say you want all conference champions to make the college football playoff, that's 10. That's fine. Do you want to just go there, or do you want to have some at-large teams? We've had at-large teams make the college football playoff. Think Ohio State in 2016. Think Alabama in 2017. Think, believe all four, think, think Notre Dame in 2018 because they weren't in a Power 5 conference. Think... Uh, Notre Dame again in 2020. Think Georgia this year in 2021, this past year. 
there have been at-large teams that have made the college football playoff. The SEC has had has had that happen twice to them. That's where we're at right now in the college football playoff. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about having at-large bids. If we have ten conference champions that get in, that means five group of five champions get in. That means we can have six at-large teams. And if they're all Power 5 teams, fine. Most of the at-large teams that get into the NCAA tournament Power 5 teams. Like, there's Power 5 conferences. The conference the conference champions in the NCAA tournament, most of them are coming from smaller conferences. There's only five Power 5 conferences. Then you have your, your other major conferences like the American, the Big East, the Missouri Valley, the Mountain West, the MAC. Conference USA, whatever, West Coast. But then you have the Summit, the MEAC, the MAAC, the Northeast Conference, the the A-Sun, the Big West, Big Sky, the WAC, you name it. So most of your team, so most of your teams will still be power conference teams in the tournament, in the college football playoff. If you have 16 teams, is that a lot? Yes. But the regular season, I believe, will still matter. I'm all for the value of the regular season. Most people would say the MLB regular season and the NBA regular season don't matter. By the way, look at the other sport, the other six major sports, four professional and then college football and basketball. College basketball is 68 teams. It's a lot of teams, and yet it's not. The NFL is 14 teams. The seven seed outside of the 2020 Colts, they've been dreadful. The NBA and the NHL have 16. That's either half or more than half the teams that make the playoffs. The MLB has 12 teams now, and they've expanded the playoffs three times since 1995. Or I'm sorry, 1994 to 8, 10, and now 12. The NBA is still somewhat exclusive, given that every series is best of seven. It's not single elimination. That's why the NCAA tournament is the best tournament besides the NFL playoffs of all the sports. It's single elimination. Anything can happen. Bad matchup. You have a bad day. One team has a bad day. That should win. That's the seven. You lose game one. And we got, you know, six more games at least to win four. We're good. The NHL, I'm surprised, is not as as exclusive. Tampa Bay's won the last two Stanley Cups, notwithstanding. But the NHL is not exclusive. I mean, the Pittsburgh won two straight Stanley Cups. The Kings won two out of three. But I still feel like the NHL is not that exclusive. It's not Cavs-Warriors five straight, four straight years like it is in the NBA. But is there really a good solution to this? We expand it to eight. Well, is that well? I also I still feel like that's enough. If we expand it to twelve, uh, that might be a little too much. We're devaluing the regular season. Okay, so you have to play in your conference championship game to have the opportunity to at least guarantee yourself a spot. So the regular season doesn't matter in that way. I'm all for de- I'm all for valuing the regular season, but I'm also for valuing conference championships, conference champions. Look, we don't we don't care who wins the Mountain West Conference USA Mac or Sunbelt. We didn't care about that last year. We cared about who won the American because Cincinnati had a shot at making the playoff. We don't care about the other conferences. Why don't we? They should be given the opportunity to compete. College football is a sport built on tradition, pageantry, and so many other things that make the sport great. Mainly tradition. 
mainly school pride, mainly rivalries, mainly history of the programs. And we're not going to give every team a shot. Iowa State was able to go from two wins last year in college basketball to the Sweet 16 this year because they were given a fair opportunity. 68 teams played in a Power 5 conference, did well enough, didn't lose a game in conference and non-conference play to make the tournament. We value conference championships in college basketball. Virginia Tech, Richmond, St. Peter's, they were rewarded with the opportunity to play for a national championship. Richmond was one of 32 teams left playing. St. Peter's was one of eight. And when they played their Elite Eight game, they were one of five. One of five teams still left in the tournament out of 353. A little-known college from named St. Peter's from Jersey City, New Jersey. You don't get that in college football with the college football playoff. It should be expanded because we need to value conference champions. That was fun today. A lot of good stuff today. Spring practice. My thoughts. Justin's thoughts from the Athletics. Still trying to get them on the show hopefully soon. NFL overtime changes it changed the rules for the postseason. I'm still not satisfied, though, because you can still tie in the regular season. And uh, there's still need – as long as you determine a winner and a loser, the NFL is too good of a product to not. And playoff expansion. Because I am for it for the sake of we need to value conference champions from all 10 conferences, not just Power 5 and uh, or, as that's the case last year, in the American too. Tomorrow, uh, it is Friday, we'll have a preview of the Final Four. More from Bearcats spring practice, maybe a guest done. Uh, More on the men's basketball front, transfer news. A lot to get to before we head into Final Four weekend. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracing, former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker, bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's and an ATI. That's where I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. And of course, can be reached via email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. That's all lowercase Alex, the number three, Frank at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on the Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Like, comment on this video. That helps more Bearcats fans like you find us on YouTube. And don't forget to follow Lockdown Bearcats on Twitter at Lockdown Cats. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great rest of your Thursday, a great rest of your final day of March as we march into April. And I will talk to you all tomorrow on April Fool's Day. Have a good day.